Greetings and welcome back to episode number 76 of the Kiss My Aesthetic podcast. Today I had jewelry designer on Natalie McMillan of Shop Natalie McMillan, and she was wonderful. We had a great conversation about creative inspiration. She gave me tons of ideas about email marketing and not being too hard on myself and kind of letting it cutting it loose in the email marketing world. She is a great energy. We had such a great conversation. I know you guys are going to enjoy this one. Don't forget, screenshot and share, rate and review, connect with Natalie and shop some of her jewelry at shop Natalie McMillan. Enjoy the episode. Kiss my aesthetic. Branding, marketing, entrepreneurship. You're listening to the Kiss My Aesthetic podcast. I'm your host, Michelle Winterstein of MKW Creative Co., where we build brag worthy brands through visual identity design and social media. You're in the right spot for branding, marketing, and entrepreneurship advice. So enjoy the episode. Greetings, everyone, and welcome back to the Kiss My Aesthetic podcast. I have Natalie on today. Welcome, Natalie. Hi. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited to have you on. I got connected with you through Instagram, through Scouts Agency, who you're working with. They sent me your page. I was like, I'm obsessed with her stuff. This looks great. We have to have her on the podcast. Like, this is going to be wonderful. Um, But for people who don't know you, can you tell us who you are, what you do, and what you have to offer? Yes. Well, thank you so much for having me, for one. So I'm Natalie McMillan. I'm a jewelry designer. I'm an artist. I will get into this later, but I kind of just have a brand that snowballed into a bunch of things, but it started just as jewelry. And then it kind of just blew up from there. I also have a podcast. I guess I'm just like an entrepreneur. I'm a Jill of all trades. Yep. I can see that. Are you a Gemini? Is it, what do we have in common here? There's gotta be something. I'm a Gemini rising. Okay. See, there you go. I'm Gemini yes. through and through. Um, and I think Gemini rising, I don't really know all the things. I'm, I'm like pretending like I know. I know some of them. I know I'm a Gemini for sure. Um, but it's so funny when you talk to, I think, creatives in general, because we end up having so many different efforts in common. And it's yes. kind of like talking to a kindred soul. It's nice. I know. Here's my question for you. Okay. Are you into human design at all? Um, a little bit. I'm a projector. A projector. Okay. Cause I'm a manifesting generator. And I noticed that a lot of people I talk to like us are also manifesting generators. Okay. And I think it's just a thing where you have to do a million different things at once. Yeah. Yeah. We got to keep like the plate spinning to keep it interesting. Yes. I cannot be bored. Uh huh. I think that's maybe why we don't work nine to five jobs. <laughs> exactly. Oh my God. I could go on a whole tangent on that. Okay. Well, let's do, let's start with that then. Take us back to the beginning. Cause my story is somewhat unique in that I never got a nine to five job. I started my business in college and then never really looked back, never made a resume, never went on an interview, nothing. Oh my God. I love that. But tell me about, take us back like to the beginning, beginning. What did you study? Where, where, what did you start doing? Did you know that you always wanted to do this? Tell us the origin. No. Oh my God. I had no idea. So I was going to college and it was basically by force because my mom, I did not want to go. I love learning. Do not like school. But my mom was like, you are going to college or like your life will end. Yeah. (laughs) I'm like, okay. I think most parents said stuff like that. Yeah. Right. But I had no idea what I wanted to do. I got there. I I've always been good at art. So I just Mm -hmm. like started getting an art degree. And by the second year, I thought, okay, I'll figure it out by this year. 
And then by the third year, I was like, okay, well, I didn't figure it out, but maybe I'll figure it out this year as to what I was going to do once I graduated. And it was finally my senior year where I had a, what are they called? A a counselor. Mm -hmm. And she was like, you have to take an elective. You never took an elective. And so your options, because I'm so like down to the wire here, your options are glass blowing or jewelry design. Ooh. And I was like, okay, I've always been a jewelry girl my whole life. I'm going to take jewelry design. And I got there and then it kind of clicked. And I thought, oh, this is what I'm going to do. This is where we're going to start. So I graduated that May and in August, I started the, it was the line, just my jewelry line Mm -hmm. at the time. And I started it out of my mom's garage. I had two other jobs at the time. So it was like, I was working too long, too many hours a day, which I really hope we can get away from this hustle culture. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I'm unfortunately like part of it because I just never stop. Uh Me too. Me too. It's so hard, especially when you love your job so much. Yes. It's so hard to like just break away. But yeah, in that beginning, that first like year, two years, I was working two nine to five jobs and then was building up my brand. Wow. Um, And then from there, once I was able to leave the other jobs and just go full time, I moved to LA and I started started kind of leaning into what I wanted more instead of listening to what other people wanted. I had a lot of fellow jewelry designers and peers that were saying, always stick to one thing, like do not veer off in different directions, stay on track. You know, you have to make a very recognizable brand and you can't do that if you have a million different things going on. And I just felt like that is not, I can't contain myself. I can't do it. And so I remember in the garage starting off and I thought to myself, God, I would love to make like a perfume or a candle because I'm very like scent oriented. Okay. And then I decided one day, I'm just going to do it. Yeah, do it. I'm just going to make the candle and just see what happens. And I sold out of the candle in like two days. Amazing. So I was like, okay, I'm going to like just keep making the things that I want to make and see where this takes me. So that's how it has snowballed into this whole brand that I don't really know what it is. Okay. (laughs) But it's just things. Yeah. Yeah. No, this is exciting because I feel really similarly to you about my design work. So primarily we do logo design and I had a crazy year in 2020 and I did 41 logos in a year. And it was so many. And I was just really on this high of like getting all these clients and we're overworking, working way too much, but it was also the pandemic. So like everything was shut down. And I said, you know what, if we're not doing social things and I can't travel, because that was a big part of my story, then I'm going to go balls to the walls with work. And let's just see how fast this machine can go. And that is like a one way ticket to burnout town. Like that's a great way to get yourself so overworked. But I also struggled with like finding a niche because I had clients that were fitness and apparel and coaches and realtors and all like all across the gamut of 
of industries, but I realized like what they wanted was the deliverable of the Bragworthy brand. Like that is the niche. It's like it's a certain yeah. type of business owner. So I've got to imagine between the person that buys your fragrances versus buys your candles versus buys your jewelry, they're kind of the same person that likes all those things. Do you think so? Yes. No, they definitely are because the thing that's funny is people will like DM me or something. They're like, oh, hey, like I'm the one that bought this, this or that. And I'm like, I know, like I recognize your name. I recognize them from just like liking pictures or whatever. And so they do that. It's they'll buy perfumes and earrings and Mm -hmm. one of my paintings or whatever. Um, And that's just a really cool thing to, to watch because yeah, finding a niche, that was another thing that I was always told, like, you have to be in a niche. And I'm like, I don't know what mine is. I have no idea. But kind of the group of people that like my stuff, sort of have made my niche for me. Totally. That makes sense. Totally. Yeah. Explain to us your ideal customer, like who she is, what she does, what she likes to wear, where she likes to go, like kind of paint the picture for us. Yeah. So I, another thing that I did when I was starting my business and I was talking to fellow entrepreneurs and business owners is, you know, making your avatar, Mm -hmm. right? The avatar Mm -hmm. of your perfect customer or client or whatever. And that was always so hard for me because I was like, I want it to be something that everybody can find something in that it doesn't matter like how old you are right your religion your rate whatever like i just wanted something that could be there's something for everyone but my main sort of bottom line dream customer is somebody who is just a good person ooh i like and that one yeah i've been so blessed it, so you know what was funny is somebody like a couple years ago said oh you're like the cool girl brand and it for me was like, oh, I had never seen it that way. And then I kind of took a step back because when I think of a quote unquote cool girl brand, I think back to like 2014, 15 on Instagram, yes. Yes. where these like cool girl brands were so, I was like, oh, I could never wear that. Exclusive. Oh. Yes, so exclusive. So exclusive. And I was just like, oh, So when somebody said that to me, I thought, okay, like I can be the cool girl brand, but I want everybody to sit at the cool girl table. Right. Right. Like if you're, I think that if you're like a really good person, you want good for others, you want good for the world, you know, nobody's perfect. But if you're just the overall, that type of person, like I want you to sit at my table. Totally. And that makes you cool. That's what makes you cool. All the inclusive or the, you know being super exclusive and all that. I'm like, that is not cool. No, that's lame. it's not only not cool, but it's also antiquated now. Like think of, yeah. I love that. I mean, love them or hate them, but like Abercrombie and Fitch is having a whole moment right now where they're like, yeah, we were not good. And now we want to be better. And we want to include yeah. different sizes and we want to include different types of bodies. And we want to include people in a way that we did not include them before. And we learned. Yeah. And I think that that messaging is exactly what that brand needed. Like they had an evolution and it's refreshing, but it's also, it should have been baseline. Like that, you, we should have started with that. It shouldn't have been the other way around. <laughs> what do you right? think about that? I know. 
Yeah, no, a hundred percent agree. And I've, it's just so funny because I have noticed with Abercrombie, a lot of my friends now are like, Oh my gosh, like, have you been in Abercrombie recently? Like they've got some pretty good stuff. And I have a couple of friends who are like curve models mm-hmm. and they're like, Oh my God, their jeans fit. So their jeans good. are amazing. I was a hater. Whereas hater, I was a hater. I was like, uh, uh-uh, cause I just go back to like my middle school self. And I was like more Me of too. a, more of a Hollister girly. Cause living in California, mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, Abercrombie's not really my vibe. And my parents were like, we're not buying you a $42 camisole. You're 12. Like you don't need right? that. <laughs> and so I, I never got on the Abercrombie train, but I did go in before a photo shoot. I shot with Ariel, who took scouts photos, I believe, and has done work with like lots of the clients. I, we all know a lot of the same people, I think. But I went to Abercrombie and I was shocked. I was in the dressing room. I was like, oh my God, like my 12-year-old self is having a total fit that this is even yeah. possible. Great brand evolution, I think. Good case study. Yeah. And there's no like na- half-naked man standing out in the front. Yes, right. And like, you know what I mean? The whole the whole culture of that era was so unbelievably toxic. Yes. Yes. And I think maybe that's even where it stems for me when I was like, okay, I can create my own brand. Well, can I swear on this podcast? Of course, girl, all everywhere, upside okay. down, backwards. Okay. Yeah. It's okay, called well. Kiss My Aesthetic. Come on. <laughs> oh, true, true. <laughs> Um, but I was just like, you know what? Fuck all that. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't want any of that to be a part of my brand. I don't want people to click on my Instagram and think like, Ooh, I couldn't wear that. Like these girls are too, whatever, whatever. Like I, I'm like open arms, like get in here. Right. You know what I mean? Unless you're an asshole, in which case, no, I have, that's my strict policy. No asshole policy. I like that one. No asshole it and seems also, been... though, that you're not afraid to, like, be loud and bold with your brand. Like, I feel like someone who's looking for, like, a dainty, sweet, teeny, tiny, delicate, soft-spoken, like, demure, like, they might still find something on your site, but your brand is a little, leans a little more punk, a little bit more oomph. Yes. Right? It's very, it's very loud. And when I, actually, when I first started it, though... I was very much hiding behind what I thought uh-huh. I should do, what I thought people wanted. And at the time I was only doing fine jewelry. So I was only working mm. in silver and gold. And I thought it has to be, there has to be some element of like being classy, yes. which I am not. Like I'm straight up not. But when you're buying <laughs> so, jewelry, you want there to be an, a level of that, right? You want there to be a layer yes. of like, this is a treat. This is an experience that's not an every, maybe it is an everyday piece of jewelry, but the purchasing of it, you want to be at a price point where somebody's like, ooh, I really want right. that. Right. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And at the time, because it was only fine jewelry, it was a higher price point. And that kind of even bothered me because I thought, oh, it's not accessible enough. Mm-hmm. But again, I was... I kept listening to all my like jewelry designer business owner peers that were saying, if you leave the fine jewelry sphere, basically forget it. Interesting. Like you're done. Okay. So just because I'm curious now, kind of outline for us the spectrum of jewelry industry. So you have like your fast fashion, terrible mass produced, turn your finger green jewelry. And then you have your step up would be what? Like a small crafts person sell at your local farmer's market kind of vibes? 
Yes. Where maybe yeah. they have some materials that are nicer, but it's mostly plated. I'm, again, I'm just guessing based on my own observations as a consumer. Mm-hmm. And then you get into the actual, I have a brand and I have an aesthetic and I have a collection and I'm like launching with intention all the way up to like super fine jewelry stores, fine, fine jewelry and craft yes. people. Yeah, you re- yeah, you okay. nailed it. All right. Well, <laughs> then really there you go. The I was like, oh, I'll ask you <laughs> yeah. to answer the question, but then I'll answer the question in the question. That's nice. <laughs> Honestly, you kind of answered it better than I could have. So, hey. No, it's helpful to kind of get that chart, right? Because it's the same across a lot of creative fields. My sister's a wedding planner. My mom's an interior designer. There will always be budget options and there will always be lux, 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 lux options. So I yes. think pinpointing where you are in that spectrum. And like you said, I think what's interesting about your story is like you started in fine jewelry and then actually were like, no, no, I'm not going to do only that. Like I'm going to come back down to yeah. who my consumer is. And I think that's a super smart move. How did you, was that nerve wracking hearing all these people saying like, no, 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 don't do that. Once you do it, you'll never come back. Like what were, what was your emotional roller coaster of that effort? Yeah. Oh my God. Well, it's, it was so weird because like, I just had the biggest gut feeling to do it. And I kind of was asking around and everybody said, absolutely not. Mm. They also said the same thing for when I went completely direct to consumer. I was like, I'm pulling everything. I said, I'm pulling everything out. I'm just, I'm going to make my prices so that they're direct to consumer. There's no retail markup on them because my, again, my whole thing is like, I want it to be inclusive as inclusive as possible while still making it ethically, making it here, um, using recycled materials, Mm -hmm. you know, things like that, which of course does bring the cost up a little bit. But for me, it's worth it because that's just part of, well, and you have more control. You have more control, right? Like when you're a direct to consumer, you have way more control over those brand touch points with your client than if you are to sell at a brick and mortar with someone at a boutique that doesn't really know you or doesn't really know your brand or doesn't really know the thought process and doesn't really care to treat it any differently than any of the other products in their store. Yeah, exactly. And I was just so blessed too that I had that feeling like it was a July 2019. Yeah. Oh, girl. So you I got the <laughs> I got the head start somehow. Mm-hmm. So that when everything when the shit hit the fan, I was like, oh, I ha- I'm already established online. Yeah. Oh, like, that's such a good point. God. Yeah. Huh. But yeah, it was definitely nerve wracking to have everybody say, "Don't do that," and then turn around and do exactly what they said not to do. But then, as an entrepreneur, that's such a satisfying feeling, is it not? When it's successful? Yes. Yes. And I also, like, that's just sort of been my whole life. Yeah. Like, the one, like, just absolutely don't tell me what to do. Yeah. Because I will do the opposite. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) Through and through. So, yeah, definitely scary. Definitely paid off. Good. Oh, we love to hear that. There's something I've been dying to tell you about, and it's something that I'm keeping on the hush-hush. So, like, don't tell everybody. Okay. One of the things I notice with our brand design clients is that they go through the brand design process and they get all their new logos, fonts, colors, patterns, icons, everything. And then they're not totally sure how they're supposed to be using them on social media. Enter the one-on-one Kiss My Assets Canva Sprint Day. I know that's a mouthful. Stay with me. Basically, this is a three-hour session with me that is part assets, part strategy, part clarity, and 
low-key Canva training on how to use all of your brand elements together to make templates that you can then DIY for your biz. So think post templates, stories, graphics, email graphics, anything that you are going to be making on a regular basis on behalf of your business, we can create them together in a three-hour sprint inside your Canva account. You can walk away with those templates right at the end of the session and put them straight to use. These can be booked on my website. There are only a limited number of spots per month to book the one-on-one day. And the link that you're going to want to look for is mkwcreative.co slash kissmyassets. That's mkwcreative.co slash kiss, K-I-S-S, my assets, A-S-S-E-T-S. Get it? Like social assets. Kiss my ass. You know, we're being funny. We're a little cheeky. Uh, But the plan here is to really create as much content for you as we possibly can so that you can go out there and DIY your brand in the best bragworthy version of what you envision for your business and really kind of get those clients rolling in. Check that out. Book it online. You can book it anytime. There are a limited number of spots per month. So if I were you, I'd get on it sooner rather than later. Back to the episode. Let's kind of dabble into the marketing part of it. So you said you'd established a presence for yourself already online. We're going to go direct to consumer, but tell us about your email list. Cause I know that this is really your sweet spot yes. and your favorite, oh, favorite I thing. I think mm-hmm. what we've been talking about on the podcast recently with almost every guest is kind of our predictions for marketing and where we think things are going, especially for e-commerce product-based businesses or service entrepreneurs also. Um, but how putting all your eggs in a social media basket And then if that basket drops, you're screwed. So tell us about how how email safeguards you from that bit. Yeah. So, I mean, I still am not an expert at all in how to grow an email list. I've just done it very organically just through my own website. Um, But I, you know, I would love to know more tips on how to do that. But I started sending emails. Again, this is kind of when I switched my brand from this like fine jewelry. It's very, it was not colorful. It was not mm-hmm. loud. It was very like simplistic, black, white, nothing. And that just wasn't really me, right? So when I started thinking, I'm just going to lean in to what I would want from a brand. I started emailing as Basically, I just email as if I'm talking to a friend, mm-hmm. and then I don't edit it. So okay. it's absolutely unhinged. Okay, they I love are that. absolutely I love unhinged. <laughs> and my dad, even one time, he was like, "Your emails," because he's like business. He's like a uh-huh. vice president, you know. And he was like, "They're insane. Like, <laughs> what is going on?" And I was like, don't "I worry know," about but it. like, <laughs> I was like, "That's just how I am," and. I was looking actually earlier at my Flowdesk. That's where I send, mm-hmm. I use Flowdesk to send my emails out. And I have not had any uh, people unsubscribe this year. Wow. That's big. Yeah. That's super big. And I, and I think it's just because I, I send it out. I'm not really trying to sell anything. Mm-hmm. I, if I have a new product, of course, you know, I launched something today, sent the email out and like announced it, but it's never super in your face. There's always some sort of like funny something happening in it. And 
I just, it's so rewarding to get, I get emails back all the time that Mm. say, this is the only brand that I will not unsubscribe from. Oh, I love that. I love that. Yeah. I'm, I'm super curious about the email marketing stuff. I totally fell victim in like 2017 to the, the Jenna Kutcher idea of like, grow your email list, grow, offer a million and five freebies. And as a service based business, it's so easy, right? Like I can make it downloadable all day long. Oh, this is how you set up your Instagram branding. This is how you, um, here are free stock photos. Here's some templates I made, have these illustrations. And I just had like 40 freebies going at once that led to nowhere. So it was like a big fat oh, really? flop. And so like people would come and get the freebie and then like immediately unsubscribe. And I was like, wait a second. So, <laughs> so I've had to like unlearn those like bad email habits and like really understand email and what's effective about email. And then I've been working with my client Hotel Lobby Candle and kind of watched what the email person's been doing with that. And holy smokes, her name's Sydney. I'm going to have her on the podcast. She's a whiz. Because there's so much satisfaction in sending an email on a launch day and immediately seeing conversions to sales. Whereas like, oh yeah, oh my God, yeah. Social media is like prepping that relationship. People are explaining it as like, social media is like dating someone and then emailing them is like actually asking them out at 7 p.m. on Friday with dinner reservations. Because you're giving yes. the person immediately the opportunity to take action in a seamless way that you just don't get that from social all the time. Would you agree with that analogy? Yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. I would agree. Also because with social media, it's so like hit and miss. Mm-hmm. So that is also very dating. It's like, Ooh, I did not like that guy or, you mm-hmm. know, whatever, whatever. But I also think that the people that get my brand, not that it's like something hard to grasp, the but girls it's just that get it, get it. And the girls that it. don't, don't. don't. <laughs> That's fine. So those, those girlies that are on my email list, like, they get it. And so they like when they get these insane emails, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So it is more, you get to connect with your customer that way. Yeah. And that has been so rewarding. Oh my God. I love talking to them. Right. Okay. So that's the thing that I really want to explore more. I think for my business is, is I have this list now, but they're not, it's not segmented and curated in a way that I don't totally know who I'm talking to. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. It's so interesting yes. because it's something that I think we're going to see so much more of. Before this podcast, we even talked about how social media, we talked about how the algorithm is all over the place. We don't want to put all our eggs in that basket, but also that no one's ever going to just like delete their email as a platform. <laughs> like you can't no. live without having an email. <laughs> so like no. literally your world would combust if you didn't have an email address. So it's, it is kind of a more surefire way to drop into somebody's consciousness, right? Yes. And I do, I, I I agree that I have seen kind of this like renaissance where more people have newsletters, mm-hmm. more people send out like a little weekly blurb about something. Whereas I think in our minds, email marketing is back to that, just like they spam you every day with like, which is not what we're uh, telling anyone to do, by the way. <laughs> no, I send out like maybe one a week max. Okay. Like maybe okay. one a week. Okay. Okay. Um, and how much time are you spending on each one? If you don't mind me asking. Um, oh my God, you can ask me literally anything. Um, I probably spend It depends. So if I'm sending out like a quick little reminder about like a sale we did or something, that could take me like 10 minutes. Perfect. Um, But this, I have a new newsletter that I started that is a monthly one and it's 
long. It's like mm. almost like a blog kind of that I just send out. And so that one takes a while. That one's like several hours mm-hmm. worth of, you know, it's not long like a novel, but right. just designing it, making it look cool and fun. So these are two totally different newsletters, correct? Like they're separate from each other? Yes. Okay. Yes. So how does somebody get on either one of those if they want to kind of like see what you're talking about? So you have the jewelry business newsletter and then you have your own personal newsletter. Yeah. So basically what happened was um, if you buy anything from me, you automatically get put on the business you know, email list or... The other thing that I would recommend anybody do is the when you go to a website and you get the little pop up that you just like put your email in and it sends you like a discount code. Mm-hmm. That has converted to a lot of people adding to the to the list. So I would definitely recommend that. So that's kind of how you can get on that list. But because I had so many people that were like, I love your emails. And I had so many people on Instagram that were asking me just, you know, because I feel like we're this little community, I guess, the girlies, they, they'll, they'll be in my DMs and asking me questions and like, oh my gosh, have you tried like do skincare? Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. what do you think about it? Blah, blah, blah. And I thought, all right, I'm just going to make a separate email list. It's actually, you can join that one if you go to natalie-mcmillan.com. Perfect. And that's a really fun website too. I almost like that one better. (laughs) Okay. 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 So everyone check it out. Yeah. So that's like a whole separate thing. I don't talk about my business like at all. It's just for fun. It's just a fun little email. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Let's talk about that. The separation between individual versus business. I'm kind of hitting that point now. So I solopreneur traveled all over digital nomad style, like put everything into my business account when I graduated college and like left my personal account in the dust. I was like, Oh, I'm just going to go all in on this. And I'm going to be this girl boss person. Hashtag girl boss. Hashtag girl boss. Now we like barf at it. Right. But cringy cringe town, but it was like, I'm going to share my work and my creativity through travel. Cause it was like so much of who I was. And then pandemic happened. We weren't traveling and I decided, okay, I'm going to hire a team. Now that I have a team, I feel a whole different relationship with my business marketing than I did previously. Whereas like Mm. me sitting on a beach in Bali was part of my story because I was working my tail off to get there and it was me doing all the work, but now I have a team. So now with the team, it feels almost misaligned in a way to be like, oh, I'm on a beach in Cabo and my team's left behind working when like, I'm still working my ass off, but now I'm accountable for a bigger organization, right? The the business has evolved past me and my personal agenda. So now I kind of kicked back up my personal account and said, oh, I still want a creative outlet to talk about the things that aren't work, like food and really good cocktails and like other things that I love to do. So you've kind of got both also, and it's nice to have that creative outlet that's for fun. And like, if it takes off cool, and if it doesn't, that's also fine. But there's now this different responsibility because this business now represents more than just, like I said, my day-to-day agenda. Is that how you feel about the separation between your two brands, kind of? In a way, yes. In a way, I did the same thing where I was just like balls to the wall, yeah. business account, like we're growing this, left my personal one in, in the, the dust. dust. Uh-huh. And to this day, I still am definitely way more active just on my business one. Same. Um, but, you know, I'll, I'll go my normal one too. But that one still somehow just feels like 
friends from high school, even though I had like three friends from high school on Mm -hmm. there. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Oh, I like even went back and like archived all my old posts. I was like, we're starting over. Like, this is my new chapter. Like, I'm going to keep all those people from high school and college. Sorry, guys, you're along for the ride. If you want to unfollow, you can unfollow. But I literally archived everything and started from a clean slate. And it's like so much fun now. Like, I have such a better relationship with it now because now I'm like, I'm just going to post whatever the fuck I feel like. And that's great. Exactly. Exactly. So I definitely felt feel like that in that aspect. Um, but it it is hard, I think, for me to completely separate myself from the business. Of course. Because it is my name. name. Yeah, mine too. Yeah. And I remember when I did that and I was like, oh man, if I ever want to kind of like take a back seat and have other people run this, I really can't. Yeah, but that's more um, typical in your industry, is it not? To like name your jewelry studio after yourself or like a family name or there is that, at least I've seen that. Yeah, it's definitely it's definitely a thing. But I think because I've put so much of myself in it, it's like, I don't know how I'm going to back out of it. Not that I want to back out of it. You know, I don't want to. Right. But yeah, there is that aspect. But then also in terms of the like keeping them separate, like I said, the business ones are insane and unhinged. The one that I send out that's just me is even more unhinged. <laughs> so it's I like, like that. <laughs> I have like a shred, I keep like a shred of professionalism in my business account or in my business emails, mainly just so my dad doesn't call me out and uh-huh. be like, what are you doing? Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> but my, the other one, it's like all bets are off. Oh, I love All that. All bets are off. That makes it yeah. fun though, because I think that's the thing that's so off-putting about email marketing is that it feels like it has to be stuffy or it has to be so full of content that people couldn't imagine not getting that email. And I love that you've kind yeah. of, you just kind of threw out the rule book and you're like, I'm going to make this whatever I want it to be. Yeah. And especially on the business emails, like some of them, I swear to God, are like two sentences and a GIF or a GIF or whatever. Love that. And that's it. Like, they don't have to be these big things. Right. This is what I needed to hear for myself because my whole thing is, okay, I'm a graphic designer. So like every email I make should look incredible. Like, and the email should look amazing. And then I start down on the email route and I start writing it. And then I start designing all the graphics to go in the email. And I'm like, well, really this should probably exist as a blog. So then I start writing a blog about it so that I can link the blog in the email. It's, and it just Uh sends me on this whole tizzy where I'm like, I just want to post about it on Instagram stories and like call it good. You know, like it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. And especially because we have so many forms of connection, so many forms of, I mean, I consider email is kind of a social media thing. Mm -hmm. So it's like blogs, emails, TikTok, Instagram, like there's so many things to sort of keep up with that it can get so overwhelming. And you can just sort of go in so many different directions. So it's nice to be able to kind of actually do that, like kind of recycle it into different things and keep some things simple and other things more detailed. Yeah. 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 Let's talk about that, that shiny object syndrome, which is a pun for jewelry, um, which we have to talk about. Um, But also about the kind of entrepreneurial conundrum of being distracted by so many possibilities. Like, how do you personally like stay on track with your bigger picture goals when there are those things that come knocking and you're like, Ooh, I'm excited about this today. And you end up on a whole rabbit hole. (laughs) 
Well, so unfortunately for me, I do that all the time. Same. I'm constantly like, oh, now I'm going to do this. Oh, now I'm going to do that. Oh, I'm going to do this now. And I also have ADHD, mm-hmm. if you couldn't tell already. Um, <laughs> so I am literally distracted by shiny objects, like actually. Uh-huh. So that has been one of the harder things for me in business is to like keep a lid on it mm-hmm. because I also want to like start a project and like flesh the whole thing out. But then when it comes to executing it and logistics, I'm like, fuck. Mm -hmm. This is why I do what I do. I just had this conversation with my mom and my sister yesterday. So my sister's a wedding planner. She started her business about three years after me. I'm eight years in. She's five years in. She's in freaking growth mode. She's like, I'm tired of working every weekend. I want my weekends back and I want to make money that can then support the lifestyle that I want to be able to go take off to Europe for three weeks, which is what we're doing in May. Yeah. Hell yeah. Super stoked. So fun. So she's in grow mode, but we talk like every day on the phone and I'll say, well, you could do it this way. <laughs> like, And I send her all these ideas. She's like, but what steps do I need to take first? Cause like, I like that your brain's there, but like, you have to tell me one, two, three, four, five. And I'll literally 7am I'll like pop open a Google doc. I'll be like, okay, step one, create this step two, make web page. Like <laughs> I have to write it out for her because yeah. her brain is like, I think sometimes I've had to apologize to her for overwhelming her because like you, I want to flesh out the whole idea. I am not interested in executing it. No, I have no idea what I'm doing. I just want to I be like do. a master brainstormer. Like that sounds way oh, fun. Yes. Creative director oh, vibes. Right, right now. Okay, wait, I'm going to count. I have 19 tabs up. Yeah. Right yeah, now. I had to like close and mine out. Yep. Because I was the same. And they're all... Um, actually, no. Every single one has something to do with some project like in my head right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That will they see the light of day? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Some of them do, some of them don't. I'll tell you this. When I hired my team, I hired a business manager and she goes, you really need to write a handbook. And I was like, uh, okay, but everyone knows what their jobs are. She's like, no, no. You think everyone knows what they're supposed to be doing, but like nobody knows what everybody's doing. So you need to write a handbook. I started that project in September. It's still not done. It's, it's oh, 65 yeah. pages long. Because I can't even, because of course, now I'm like, well, if I'm going to make a handbook, then there has to be flow charts and it has to be and it has to show every step and it's color coded and there's different chapters and there's everything. But I think it's just going to be one of those things that's always at about like 85% done. Yeah. Because by the time I update it, something has already changed. Someone's job descriptions changed. Somebody's project scope has changed. Like the team has shifted. We're offering something else. So I keep telling my team, I was like, thanks for being on the crazy train because <laughs> yeah, I'm the conductor Honestly. of this train. And so if you guys can follow along and I can also be laying down tracks, then we're on to something good. Um, but yeah. it's one of those things where you, unless you literally, at least for me, unless I literally dedicate time on my calendar to do it, it won't get done. Yes, I'm exactly the same. And I have on my website, on my brand's website, I have I I got really bored of about pages. Yes, I was just like, I oh my God, saw the, your brand bible. I'm obsessed with that. Thank you. So I had the idea for the brand bible, like I don't know, a year and a half ago or something. And I shit you not, it was just up on my computer for a solid year. Okay. That's so refreshing to hear. And then finally, when I, cause I sort of redid the website a few months ago, I was like, now I have a hard deadline. Like it has to be done. Mm -hmm. 
But yeah, I mean, it was every day. It was like always in the back of my head, like, okay, just work, just put like a sentence in, just like do one thing. And actually I had it fully done and I then completely redid it. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Because at first it looked like an actual Bible, like with like religious like iconography. Fun. And then I completely switched the whole thing. Oh, I love how it ended up. So. I think, yeah, guys, go to her site and click over to Brand Bible, about Brand Bible. So smart. I've never seen anyone do that exactly on their site, but it makes so much sense. But like you're, like we're saying, like the brand evolves and changes too. Like the brands, and I have to explain this to my clients a lot, like your brand is its own like living, breathing organism. Like it's yes. going to change. It's going to mature. It's going to grow another arm. Like there's going to be lots of evolution. So we can't ever brand thinking that things will always be the same. Like we want things to be consistent. We want to pick some things that remain or some feeling or base emotion or problem that you're solving that will always be, but the aesthetics of it can change. And it's not till I talk to her name's Michelle also of holisticism. Do you follow holisticism? I don't. You guys have similar vibes. You you'll love her content. She's like, yeah, we rebrand every three months. And I was like, Oh, I feel like that. I feel that what? so hard. And she's like, yeah, we just come up with like new aesthetics based on what we're talking about with this, but there's like a seasonality to it. And I think that's yeah. really refreshing. I mean, we see that in fashion, right? You have your fall, winter, you have your spring, summer, but talk to us about what your kind of creation calendar looks like. Do you have pieces that are evergreen and then you have things are, that are in collections or kind of walk us through that? Yeah. So I have my signature collection, which was my first collection when I jumped right out the gate. Mm-hmm. And so that will probably just stay forever. And then I added in something called the icon collection, cool. which was, I started getting inspired by like, just, you know, the music I listen to the movies I'm watching, whatever, whatever, just things like that. Um, like for example, I had hoops on earlier. I know they have little dice on them. How cool are those? Yes. So these are my true romance hoops because they remind me of like they're, you know, if you've seen true romance in the car, I think they've got the dice in the, in the um, rear view and they were just fun like that. So I made this other collection and I kind of add things in when I want or right now though, in, in more so when I can, mm. because it's been a nightmare yeah. getting jewelry actually made. Yeah. Yeah. Oh Supply chain God. issues and everything. Oh yeah. my God. It's been rough. So, and that's another thing that I kind of pivoted on is I started adding in, like I launched a really soft sweatshirt that I like cool. so fun and I love it. Um, I started like incorporating other things like that. I did a, a second perfume. I'm coming out with a a lotion, a blood sugar baby lotion, and it's like shimmery. It's really cool. So I started doing other things because if that one facet can't be done, if the jewelry can't be made, then it's like, what the fuck am I going to do? What can I do? Yeah. That's such a good point. You know? Yeah. So I kind of diversified it even more. So I've never actually had like a design schedule or like, I'm going to do this collection and it's going to come out on this day, whatever. I kind of just design as I go. Mm -hmm. Um, Or I'll have like, right now I have a bunch of ideas in my head that once I can actually get them made, I have like them drawn out and stuff. Once they can actually get made, then I'll probably release that as another collection. Okay. 
and just sort of take it from there. I just, it's very fluid. Yeah. But that's also a superpower, right? Because if you are so rigid and then you do have that hurdle that comes up or that supply chain issue, and then your whole schedule is thrown off, we're running into that with one of my clients right now. Like they up until this point have always launched on like major holidays. So they have like a Valentine's day collection and a St. Patrick's day collection and a Christmas collection. And although that's fine, you're really limiting yourself by your calendar. And that's exactly what happened. We had a graduation collection the materials got delayed. Then we had to delay the photo shoot. And now we're like up against the clock to make sure that these can actually get out by people's graduation. And it's like stressful. And I'm like, wait a second, we don't have to work like this. (laughs) I was like, let's take outside of that. It does. It does. And it just kind of becomes like rote. And I, I, I feel like the goal for that brand and most brands now, like especially this one, they've got the following. They have the loyal customer base. So like launch on the schedule that you want create on the schedule that you want, like pick how many pieces and what would study the data, of course, but don't try to get stuck on this idea that it has to be done by a certain day either. There's that flow. And I always, I say it on like every single, I probably just talk about it every single day, but like, if I'm not having fun, Mm. it's, it's, I'm changing something. Mm -hmm. So if I'm on some sort of rigid schedule and then I realize, wait, I'm not having fun then that gets thrown out the window. Mm-hmm. So all of this me throwing shit out the window is because I stopped having fun doing it and was like, this isn't fun. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So I have to make it fun. Otherwise, I'm not going to want to sit here and send out my email. When when I send out emails, I'm like, this is the most fun I've ever had. Right. And that <laughs> you know authenticity I mean? shines through, right? Like, And I think business owners get stuck in that trap, right? They get stuck doing what they've always done because they think that that's what's always going to get them results. And so taking a risk is scary and making a jump is scary and throwing shit out the window is really scary because if that's your whole playbook is this window and you're going to start throwing pages out, people get really nervous and really flustered. That's never really that's never worried me personally. Cause I'm just not that personality type. And obviously it doesn't bother yeah. you. Um, but it is interesting to see, you know, again, we talk about this all the time on the podcast, like your superpower can also be your Achilles heel. Like the thing that makes you good at oh, what yeah. you do can also make you really bad at what you do. And mm-hmm. for me, it's like attention to detail or like the really strenuous, consistent, like file exporting is one of the first things that I outsourced. And I'm so glad that I did because That process to me drove me nuts, like waiting for things to upload, making sure files are named correctly, giving everybody their stuff. So now I have someone on my team that literally that is their job is like getting clients offboarded. And it's because you weren't having fun. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. If you're not having fun, then figure something else out because you're not going to it's not going to be sustainable. Mm -hmm. You're going to burn out faster, Mm -hmm. which as an entrepreneur, business owner, it's just we're always trying to avoid that. Yeah. As a creative, like you have to, you have to know that burnout is part of the process, but and not to get like a weird analogy in here, but it's kind of like when you realize as a female, like if I work with my like hormonal schedule, then like I feel better. Like if I yes. know that I'm going to be like crampy and pissy, like I might as well go to Target and just buy the red wine and the chocolate that I want because now I've done this for right. 28, not 28 years, but 14, 15 years. And now I know that like, that's the way that these things go. And two days later, I'm going to feel fine. Exactly. Just go with the, well, literally, case, literally the flow. Literally go with the flow. <laughs> I love that we went there with it, right? (laughs) Oh, man. Um, Speaking of that, not really, but about going with the flow, not Uh menstruation, but flow of creativity. Um, Tell us what's one thing that you think you do extra, extra well and what's something you'd like to get better at? 
Um, okay. Well, things that I can get better at definitely is delegating mm. because I, and like I said, I want to do so many projects. So I'm just like constantly like wanting to do more and more and more. And then I work too much. And it's just not good for me or like my health. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Actually, my therapist the other day was like, can you write down for like three days every single thing you do in a day, like with timestamps? And I'm like, sure. So I sent it to her and she was like, this is too nuts. much. <laughs> You're doing Yeah, she too was much. like, she's like, you do like three times the amount of stuff in one day that like a normal person does. And I was like, but I can't stop. I, I'm that way so, as well. Mm-hmm. I'm really trying to work on that. So I, I'm definitely not good at that. And that just might be a control thing too, that yeah. like, I want it to be a certain way, right. you know? And then something I do well, I think I connect with my customers well. Yeah. I think that, uh, especially on Instagram, so many of them like reach out to me and we just like talk and our friends and and so it's like I don't even really see them as customers I just sort of we're all just sort of there yeah (laughs) you know what I mean yeah yeah and it's it's cool that you can kind of I have those people kind of through my channels too where we've been with each other on this journey for a while (laughs) so it's kind of like yeah it's like we're all sitting in the same train car or something like there's some kind of we're all in the same airplane and it's like we're all in this together and we're gonna get to know each other and we're gonna get to our destination maybe and who knows but it is yeah, fun. It is exactly. that, that cool camaraderie feeling. Um, well, mm-hmm. Where can everyone find you, follow you, connect with you, check out your jewelry, subscribe to your newsletters? That's going to be the first thing I do after this call or after this podcast. Oh my gosh, so yeah. fun. So you can find me on Instagram at shop Natalie McMillan. You can also follow my my personal one at Natalie MCM. My website is shop Natalie McMillan. And then the whole separate random email list is natalie-mcmillan.com. And if that was just way too many things to listen to, just go to natalie-mcmillan.com because there's a, you can click on a thing that will take you to the shop. The other things. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. So there's that. And then um, I also have a podcast called Am I Doing This Right? Yeah. Um, And that is a whole other thing where basically my my best friend and I realized that um, nobody knew what they were doing as adults. Like we have no clue. Like mm-hmm. she has a mortgage and she's like, I don't even know what it is. And I, have- <laughs> <laughs> I love so, that. Like, we, we do these episodes where we, we will like deep dive and put everything in like layman's terms. Like cool. we're figuring it out for you and then telling you. And it's just, a, you know, it's a good time. We have like a glass of wine and, You've got to do a spoof on that idea. Have you seen those YouTube videos that are like from like dad teaches you basic plumbing? Like you guys are going to do like a little spinoff series, like a little mini series for your socials. That's like today we're going to teach you what a light bulb actually is. (laughs) Something like there's got to be something because I bet you the content of your episodes is is headed that way. Like the mortgage video, like that would go amazing. Like just trying to hear two girls work it out. I'm sure it's like a fun listen. Yes. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's a great idea. Oh, that's a great idea. Love that. Well, thank you so much for coming on. This was such a treat. Oh my and, God. Uh, thank if you for having me. If you missed her links, we'll include them in the show notes and connect with us on social. And if you liked today's episode, don't forget to like screenshot and share it. Tag us so we can post it through. Thank you.
Thanks again for joining us for the Kiss My Aesthetic podcast. I'm your host, Michelle, of course, and it would mean the world to me if you would go ahead and leave us a review and follow us on Apple Podcasts or anywhere else that you listen to podcasts, really. The Kiss My Aesthetic Facebook group is also going to be a killer resource for you to ask questions, get feedback on anything branding, marketing, or entrepreneurship related. And to catch today's show notes or anything that we talked about in this episode, make sure you go to mkwcreative.co slash kmapod. We'll catch you next time.